On the Record with White House Correspondent April Ryan. I'm April Ryan, and on today's show, we talk about Dr. King from the past, present, and the future looking forward. This is On the Record. I'm April Ryan. This is a time when we look back at history and dream for the future. The bigness of a man can never be talked about enough. What he's done, the life he lived, and, and, and the legacy that he continues to have. We're talking about Dr. Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, this is the Federal Observance uh, time for his birthday. And with me today, I couldn't think of anyone else that really could uh, do justice to this because we are really still in a time where we don't have first class citizenship for all Americans. And with me today is Mary Frances Berry, the former head of the U.S. Commission of Civil Rights, um, teacher extraordinaire, Dr. Mary Frances Berry. Um, first of all, welcome. It's great to talk to you as always. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, I am um, pleased to talk about Martin Luther King, um, although every year we ask ourselves, usually, is the glass half full or the glass half empty? We're not asking that this year <laughs> because we know how tough, you know, times have been. The so question this year, that, do we have a glass even? That's the question. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah, we might ask ourselves that. But here's what I would say. Each year at this time and this year, I ask myself, and we should all ask, what would Martin Luther King do, okay, about the situation that we find ourselves in? And we also ask a second question is, what would he say to us if he could say anything to us right now? And this, these two questions are questions that I used to discuss all the time with Coretta King, who was a friend, uh, and until she got ill and then passed. Every year we would talk about that. And we talked about it all during the year. And every time some crisis occurred, we would talk about what would Martin do? And then we would talk about what would Martin say. Now, if Martin Luther King were here today, I am sure, based on everything he did in his life, the first thing he would do is to make sure that we organize ourselves at the local level to deal with the issues that affect all of us at the local level. There are issues like what is your court system in your state and your community still levying fines against people who are too poor to pay them and putting them in jail for traffic fines like they did in Ferguson, like they do in other places? Because the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, has just said, unlike the Obama administration, that he thinks that's a good idea <laughs> to make poverty a reason for going to jail. You should check and find out and organize in your church and in your sorority and your fraternity to make sure. That's one thing Martin Luther King would do. What but, else? But, but before we go further, when you say organize, everyone in the civil, civil rights movement likes to say, you know, organize, organize. Give us the definition of organizing, not just getting together. What does organize really mean when it comes to making change? All right. The first thing you should do is make sure that when you resist, we talk about resistance all the time, which is the same label. We would apply that label to what they did. They were resisting uh, what was happening to them. The first thing you do is you must sit down and be strategic. You must figure out what the problem is in the community where you are and then figure out who is willing to do something about it. 
and take risks because it is risky whenever you do something. And in this day and age, you can send a tweet or you can use your Facebook and say whatever you think about it once you got the information. But you also have to come out and be present and be in public doing something. If you think about all the people who go down in history as having done something about a major problem or done something good or ill, they actually came out and did something. I mean, April, you actually were sitting there with Sean Spicer. I mean, you can send tweets and do all that, and you should do that and inform each other. But you should also figure out, as people did when they got together in forums, to fight against the uh, repeal of Obamacare. They came out. They, they connected on social media and all that, but they came out and showed their faces. So you can do that about local issues. You don't just do that. And Martin had to learn that. He had some failures. Uh, we think about what happened. Go back and read your history in Albany, Georgia, in the Albany movement. Yes. Uh, that was a failure. <laughs> but he learned every time there was a failure uh, and learned the next time not to make the missteps that he had made. Uh, and by the time he was assassinated, he knew uh, what the strategy was and what to do and how to organize. The other thing is you have to inspire people, other people. Figure out what your talents are. Martin figured out that his major talent was he could think and he was willing to sacrifice and be courageous, but that he was a great orator and that he could move people to go in the direction that they need to go. There must be somebody in your local community, whether it's your church or your sorority or fraternity or whatever it is you're involved in, who can articulate for people what the problem is and say it to them in a way that they're willing to be inspired to go do something. That's an important characteristic. It's not the only one. We talk about Ophel and her speech at the uh, Golden Globes. That's good when you can rhetoric, Obama and his rhetoric. But you also have to do something. You have to say something, and you, those who can say, say. But the people have to be organized in order to make uh, social change. So what's the next thing? Okay, so you taught us about organizing, and you, before I interrupted you, but you were saying there were several components to what Coretta, King, Coretta Scott King would say that Dr. King would do. So one would be organized. What would be the second thing? The second thing would be to be willing to sacrifice. To sacrifice your time and to sacrifice, if need be, to get arrested and go to jail. I mean, when all some of you uh, who are your listeners, uh, April, were involved in the Free South Africa movement with us, and some of them went to jail. We all went to jail. <laughs> but we made social change. Sometimes it's necessary uh, to do that, to take risks in order to do it. People who are unwilling to take any risk to do anything aren't ever going to make any change because everybody knows they're too scared. <laughs> so you, you can be scared. But somebody needs to do something. This is On the Record, and we're talking to Mary Frances Berry about the past, present, and future as it relates to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s life and legacy. Each generation, Martin would say, and Coretta and I talked about it, each generation has to make its own debt in the wall of injustice. There's a time, and everybody has to do something. Uh, Julian Bond used to talk about passing the torch when he talked about Martin Luther King on Martin's Day. And he said, well, I'm trying to pass the torch. I'm not passing the torch. You take it. And I'm always saying, I want to pass the torch. 
but you can't pass the torch to people who aren't willing to do anything. And there are people who are. I think Martin would be proud of Black Lives Matter. He would be proud of me and who these are, say her name. All of these groups who have successfully organized. Have you noticed, people, that even though police are probably still killing unarmed black people, you don't see it on the news every five minutes all day. So either they're not doing it or they're suppressing it or something's happening. So... And over time, if you are in a movement and you are persistent, you can make change. That is the other lesson that you learn. Don't despair. Martin, I remember at the prayer pilgrimage when he spoke about the importance of vote. He would always say, as he said there and in other speeches at the end, don't despair, no matter what. When you feel you're losing, don't despair. Just keep on stepping. Keep on doing. Keep on doing what you're doing. Keep your head up and go on. Because sometimes, you know, you think you have a setback. And there are what my mother used to call a back set. <laughs> you think you have a setback and you can't do anything. But just keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on stepping forward. Hmm. Well, what's interesting is this birthday observance, we are marking the 50th anniversary of the Poor People's Campaign. And and that's the crazy piece right now, as poverty is such an issue where Dems and Republicans want to deal with it, but they don't know exactly. They just can't come together on a solution. What are your thoughts well, about that? Mm-hmm. And it's not just a black things. issue. It's not just a white issue. It's an all-American yeah, issue. Huh? Right. First of all, let me say that it is the anniversary of the Poor People's Campaign, which failed. It is also the 50th anniversary of the Kerner Commission report that came out after the riots in Detroit and Newark and all the other cities, which we call rebellions against police abuse, which was a big issue even then and has been the big issue. So it's the 50th anniversary of all those things. Uh, the Poor People's March reflected Martin's view that he, he was against uh, unfettered capitalism. He used to say that capitalism uh, does not pay attention to the needs of the people. Whereas socialism, he says, sometimes doesn't pay attention to the need to make economic progress so that it can rebound to the benefit of people. That you needed humane policies, no matter what they are. So he was a class man and a race man. Martin was a race man. He was concerned about uh, the future of black people and doing something. But he was also a class man. He was also a multiracial man. Everybody knows the end of that speech where he talks about you know, Muslims and Shintoists and all kinds of all of God's children, Christians, Jews, whatever. Uh, he believed in uh, working for humanity, and he was against unfettered capitalism. And the Poor People's March, which had people across racial lines involved in it, sometimes we forget that, who came to the mall in Washington. And Martin, of course, was dead, killed by the assassin's hand. And, of course, it rained. We forget that. It rained like it was raining 40 days and 40 nights. The mud was so deep, you could hardly walk across the mall. And we didn't, weren't able to get anything. But the goals were clear. Uh, and some of them are in the Black Lives uh, um, in the movement, Black Lives Movement platform, which has this coalition of groups. And you should look at that if you haven't. Uh, but he was trying to do something to make sure that there was uplift for the poor with economic opportunity and supports that poor people need. But the movement failed and he was gone. And since then, 
we have gone up and down, but we still have uh, large numbers of impoverished people, or people who are poor and who are being gentrified out of cities with no affordable housing for them. That's happening all over the country. In every city that you look in, uh, with people with not uh, opioid crisis and the added to the regular drug crisis that we've become so accustomed to, all of these things are battering the poor. So when you look at 2018 and you look at 50 years ago and then you look at hundreds of years prior to that, What's the state of black America today in 2018? Well, the state of black America is that we spent uh, six years of the Obama administration with the black unemployment rate being sky high. Sometimes it's like 16.8%. Well, everybody's thousands twice as high as everybody's like it usually is. Now that everybody else's has come down and toward the end of the Obama administration, he started to pay attention to it. And it came down some, and it's come down some now. But it's still higher than everybody else's. <laughs> That's always the case. But the crisis in, in, in jobs, jobs at wages that people can live on, that's the main thing, making sure they make enough money to live and take care of their families. And housing, which is a crucial issue for black people. We have been, you know, moved out into poor neighborhoods in the surrounding poor uh, suburbs which have to take try to take care of the poor. Uh, so we got, on the one hand, the state of black, black America is fantastic. We have all these entertainers and sports figures and people in corporations who are making money. And many people in the middle class, in the upper middle class, live far from the poor and don't have any idea. I went to somebody's house the other night. They lived in a gated community in one of the suburbs. It's all segregated. It's all black people. Fine, big houses, whatever. Uh, they don't even pass by the poor people. Because uh, now, you know, when you go downtown, you can go back home and never pass a poor person <laughs> because they've been gentrified out. Uh, so we have this tale of two cities uh, in black America and more need to pay attention to the poor. We need a new crusade to do something about poverty and the poor. Huh. Mary Frances Sperry, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? Uh, just that remember to work on politics and to vote and do all those things and don't let voter suppression stop you. Look at Alabama. They defeated uh, that old judge down there and elected Judge Jones. I mean, Mr. Jones. The black people did that. And you can talk about voter suppression. Selma did that. Can you believe that? Selma. Yes, but if you got a candidate that we can believe in, I think we can, and somebody running against them that we can't stand that's talking about slavery times, we're good. (laughs) Then, in fact, we can come out and we don't let anything stop us. You can talk about suppression or whatever you want to talk about, but where there's a will, there is a way. But in addition to voting, it's not just changing faces. It's changing policies in high places. So that's what we have to organize around doing. Dr. Mary Frances Berry, thank you so much. And, and it's not just about hearing her here and, 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 and reviewing history, but it's also about reading the history and reading the, the things that she talks about. And, and I know you have the pork chop. You know, I love that book. Uh, what's the name of the book? Five dollars and a pork chop sandwich. And I have another book coming out in March called History Teaches Us to Resist 
which talks about the social movements that I was involved in, like Free South Africa, Fight Reagan, and the anti-war movement, and all that stuff. And, and it has tips for how you go about resisting and what you do. That's coming in March. And the name of the book again, one more time. History Teaches Us to Resist. Dr. Mary Frances Berry, it's always a pleasure. You have uplifted me today. Thank you. <laughs> okay, April, thank you. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.